Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This to me is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Happy Monday, friends, and the United States military has downed four, four unknown objects in the last eight days, unprecedented in peacetime. The Pentagon is saying that this is in response to a quote-unquote heightened alert following the downing of the Chinese surveillance or spy balloon. And interestingly, they're not ruling out UFOs. So could we be invaded by aliens? Well, apparently the Pentagon doesn't even know. They're just shooting things out of the sky. And, um, you know, this story is fascinating on on many fronts that I definitely want to get to because um, this raises some concerns that the military is just shooting things out of the sky that apparently are threatening, but they really don't even know what they are. Um, Is that concerning or is it more concerning that they didn't down the spy balloon sooner or is it only Uh, Just objects that we believe are from China that are totally fine to traverse the United States. And uh, does that signal Biden's allegiance? So, you know, a lot of really interesting questions. But more on the home front and hopefully nothing to do uh, with aliens is uh, an emphasis this morning on the state of Tennessee, uh, which I think is, as we've talked about on the show, is really fascinating in terms of uh, the political landscape there. But House Bill 1215 has been introduced and it blocks uh, 10 care or TNN for Tennessee, 10 care and its uh, contracted insurance companies, which distribute the state's Medicaid program from covering or reimbursing any gender transition health care treatments. It also aims to block any insurance company from contracting with Tennessee care, 10 care, if their parent companies cover any gender transition treatments anywhere in the country. This is a really great thing. And so uh, Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton joins me this morning. And Speaker Sexton, thank you so much uh, for joining me. And this is a great bill. So uh, where is this at in the Tennessee legislature right now? Yes, thank you for having me this morning. Uh, It's in our first committee uh, this week. Um, It will probably be on the House floor here in a couple weeks after it comes through. Um, but, you know, we're, we're doing exactly what the Democrats have always done to the red states is, is what we're saying is uh, on this bill, as you exactly said, that with the state of Tennessee, Medicaid is the second biggest insurance plan throughout America after Medicare. And, and so we don't want our Tennessee values um, to be used um, and our money across the country. And so if you want to be on our MCO plan, you can't pay for the transgender sex reassignment surgeries with your parent company anywhere in the United States of America. And, and this just seems to be um, a, an obvious way to uh, to block things that go against uh, Tennessee values and to not allow these types of, of loopholes. Um, just last week, I um, I had uh, Senator uh, Tuberville on explaining how the left is trying to go through uh, the loopholes of the VA and, you know, get uh, get state funded or federal funded, uh, but, you know, generally the government funded 
uh, abortions. And, and it just seems like the left is trying in any way to go against what the Dobbs decision stood for, which is that uh, in uh, in the states and in Tennessee, um, you as the legislature should be the ones to determine abortion regulation. And so how uh, how will this bill really accomplish? Um, and I know that this is on you know gender transition, healthcare treatments, but this type of regulation that really does belong to the states um, in in a wide variety of um, of so-called healthcare issues, right? And so if, if the left is terming this, all of these things as healthcare, which we as Christians would say that they're not, um, how are they trying to fight this? I mean, what, what in your mind is, um, other than that they don't like this and they want gender transition, so-called healthcare treatments, they want abortion, they want uh, all these other things, um, what's, what's their argument or are they going, would they challenge this legally? Well, I, I mean, they can try to challenge it. Um, I, I think the ACLU is going to sue. Georgia did something similar and got sued, and I think they got lo- they lost. But we're going a whole different direction. You know, we have a right to say who's going to be our MCO company. So we have a right to say what standard we're going to hold those MCOs to, what accountability measures. And so we think this is a very fair, very effective way um, to not have Tennessee profits to be used across the country. We're not telling them they can't do it. We just tell them they can't use the MCOs. They can't be an MCO in our state. You know, as you said, the federal government and the and the left on on the transgender issues. You know, they fight it saying, "Oh, you don't care about kids." You know, the old emotional approach um, is how they go. But realistically, what they're really trying to do is is they're trying to tell us that God is not perfect. He doesn't know that uh, what he's doing because you he he send you into this world as a a male or female, but you know what? He didn't really know what you wanted to be. And so you can be anything you want. You can be a a male that's a female or a female that's a male. Um, And if you allow that to happen, that's a downgrade of our society, and it goes against what our country was founded on. And if we aren't a country founded on God, then what's the principle remaining for our country? And I really think that's what the left is doing to our country. Really well said. And I'm talking with Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton. And and you're right. I mean, the ultimate end conclusion for the left's agenda is to excise God from society or to reimagine God into our own image. Um, In fact, there was a a Church of England suggestion in an article last week that uh, it's too offensive to call God by his own preferred pronouns. And so uh, even though he identifies as a he, well, because that's too offensive, you know, everyone else gets to pick their own preferred pronouns <laughs> except God who created. I mean, this is just beyond absurd. And and it's also beyond reality. And so um, so where where are the battle lines in Tennessee? Um, because I, I saw also that the Tennessee Equality Project, which of course is um, advancing this type of extreme LGBTQ agenda, is uh, campaigning against uh, HB 1215 and saying, you know, all of those excuses that you mentioned, uh, Speaker Sexton. And uh, where are the battle lines in Tennessee? Is is it still very much um, a, a conservative state in the sense that you expect that this legislation will be passed? Uh, yes, uh, I, I do. We have a supermajority in last election last year, the cycle. We added two additional Republican seats. So now we're we're sitting at 75 Republicans, 24 uh, Democrats. 
Um, and, and so this will pass. The transgender stopping the surgeries inside the state of Tennessee is going to pass. You know, the, the, the other thing that we're really trying to do is protect our constitutional rights, especially our 10th Amendment right. And so the other fight that we're, we're battling, which will be probably finished this year, but more than likely next year, is the state of Tennessee telling the federal government to keep their education dollars. Because what you're seeing through the Biden administration, through the Department of Education, is coming in and telling us about what we need to put in our schools, whether it's the curriculum, whether it's um, we have to protect um, or have more LGBTQ um, type of things in the library. You know, federal money brought us No Child Left Behind. It brought us Common Core uh, through Race to the Top Dollars. And so for us trying to figure out how not to take all the federal money and become more independent and more free and allow us to do things Tennessee way, the better off we'll be in the long run. Yeah, and and absolutely. And this is something where any federal government uh, funding, whether it's for education or what they deem as healthcare or anything, always comes with strings attached. And reclaiming state sovereignty is, in my opinion, absolutely uh, the way to go. And we saw this especially in uh, the course of the COVID uh, pandemic and um, and the distribution of how red states versus blue states responded to that. And I think it, um, it really was a great example in the minds of the American people how different states responded differently. And that had um, an impact on a, a very real-time impact on the people of those states. And so um, so even though you are super-majority uh, Republican, it's good to know that it's still real Republicans. It's not um, like, for example, the federal uh, House of Representatives um, is Republican, but um, you know, I don't think that, that something like this at this point, this type of bill, um, would necessarily just easily pass through a majority of um, the U.S. House of Representatives right now, unfortunately. So it's good that uh, Tennessee Republicans are still uh, genuine Republicans in the sense that they adhere to those values, and um, and so and this is a really good thing. And so um, so so moving forward into uh, the next the next legislative cycle. So you know, education, healthcare, and um, and and some of these other. Uh, types of examples. What are some other areas of, of legislation in terms of reclaiming state sovereignty are you eyeing? Well, I mean, I think criminal justice reform, if you're looking for a difference between left and right, you know, one side being soft on crime, one one side saying we want to protect our streets and, and have a deterrent and, and sentencing laws. You know, I, I think that's another battle. Um, you know, I, I, the problem with the federal government is is they're all inclusive. And so they, they dangle things in front of you and the states run to do it, whether it's grants, whether um, it, it, it's usually tied to money. And I will say, to go back to what you said about the vaccinations, it was also interesting not only to watch red and blue states, it was really to watch the different generations of Americans and how they reacted and what they did. Those who said, the older generation that said, this is crazy, I'm not doing it, but I'm going to protect myself. The younger generation were the ones who were taught by that generation to go and fight against the federal government. Then you had the younger generation who were trying to figure out if it was science or not. And that's where it really gets back to education. If we allow the federal government to control education in our states, they are not creating critical thinkers. They're not creating people who independent thinking. They are creating people who are just followers. All you're doing is teaching to a test. They're not trying to learn any long-term skills. And when you have generations of people who just are taught what to take on the test, and then they are followers, the federal government will dominate them. And we're looking at two generations away, 
if we don't start handling the education issue in our country. Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton on education and, and really well said. And I'm, I'm a huge proponent for um, school choice broadly, but also uh, getting government funded systems uh, out of uh, out of our out of our schools and and having giving parents um, additional options for exactly that reason. Because if uh, we're if we are telling young people they can just Google uh, the answer and they don't have to put any analysis or any critical thinking behind that, then they become followers instead of leaders. And um, and I was homeschooled uh, all the way through K through 12. And uh, that really set me up on a very good trajectory um, for uh, not just understanding uh, my Christian faith, but also understanding the world around me. And so I think that um, for my parents to be able to choose that opportunity and uh, to want to invest in, in me and that type of mentorship and discipleship uh, really, really does make a huge difference. And it does set up um, our young people, especially in this age of you know so-called misinformation, um, that, that really we need to be teaching more analysis and, and critical thinking skills. And in just the last about minute I have with you, um, Tennessee uh, Speaker Cameron Sexton. Um, also, uh, censorship is is the other side of that coin. So anything um, as well going on in, in terms of um, big tech or uh, you know censorship on on public platforms that uh, Tennessee is looking at. Yes, we we've been working with American First um, Policy Institute um, on legislation. Great. You know, they, as you were involved with the, the Trump White House and some brilliant minds there on on big tech and censorship. Um, we've had legislation that we worked on uh, last year. We're still working on this year. We're trying to get it right. Um, it's unfortunately a pretty complicated issue when you because of how businesses operate too. But we're hopeful that we can get there. But we are looking at pushing back on that. You know, Facebook, Twitter, all those things, and, and really um, uh, pushing back on that kind of social um, issues that they're doing on social media uh, and allowing the citizens the ability to be in control of that. Excellent. Well, you are doing a wonderful service to the citizens of your state, and I commend you. And let me know if I can help with anything, because uh, certainly I champion the work of uh, AFPI and also uh, what you're doing in Tennessee. So uh, House Speaker Cameron Sexton, thanks so much for joining today. And you know, we're also going to look uh, look back this weekend on uh, the Super Bowl last night. And so my next guest coming up after the break had a very interesting take in the Washington Examiner. And uh, I think you're going to want to stick around for this. So we'll be right back with more of Jenna Ellis in the morning. Hello? Hey, stranger. Oh, hi. Thank goodness it's you. I was afraid to answer the phone. Why? What's up? The credit card companies are after me. They want me to make payments and the calls never stop. Ouch. Been there before, but I got help from Trinity Debt Management. Trinity? Yeah. I called and right away, Trinity contacted my creditors and got my interest rates cut in half. They ended all the late fees and over-limit charges, and they stopped those annoying phone calls. Bet that was a relief. Yep. Then they put me on a plan that consolidated my bills and 
into one easy monthly payment. That way, I paid off my debt fast while saving thousands. Nice. Trinity even showed me how to plan and meet a monthly budget. So now I'm debt-free for keeps. Wow. Do you still have their number? Sure. Here, write this down and call 1-800-788-1813. Can you repeat that? 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary sponsored by Liberty University. Liberty University's K-12 online academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. When Johnny Bell was hired by the U.S. Postal Service, he was offered a salary of a buck eighty-one cents an hour. That was more than seventy years ago, when a postage stamp cost about three cents. Mr. Bell is still on the job, delivering the mail in Oklahoma City, and at the age of ninety-three, he now holds the distinction of being America's longest-serving and oldest mailman. The great-grandfather says he likes working eight hours a day, keeps his mind operating. Mr. Bell told Channel 9 News that all these years later, he still has the same job and the same wife. His co-workers threw a party to honor his big anniversary. After a slice of cake, he went right back to work. Neither rain, nor snow, nor heat, nor gloom of night will keep Mr. Bell from his appointed rounds and neither will old age. Be sure to get a copy of my book, Culture Jihad. It's available at your favorite bookstore and toddsterns.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Well, the Super Bowl was yesterday, and if you were like me, you didn't pay attention at all uh, whatsoever to the actual game, just uh, the cultural commentary surrounding uh, sports and you know this is nothing new and cultural commentary and how uh, sports are uh, played in not only the United States but in any sort of given culture. I mean we look we can look back to ancient Rome and the Colosseum and uh, how the gladiators uh, fought and and died uh, for for sports and how uh, it was sports to it was sport to them um, to to ultimately uh, have Christians um, that were that were killed in arenas um, and and I think that that's possibly one of the most interesting manifestations of uh, commentary on sports and how it impacts 
culture. But um, but we're no different in in the sense that when we look at uh, sports, when we look at the history of American baseball, even I mean, sports can be a very good thing. And historically, I think in in the United States, um, sports have been a way that we can uh, feel and evidence our patriotism uh, through the Olympics and you know some really good um, cultural uh, commentary on. Uh, on how we participate in that. Um, so, so yesterday, whether you were a Chiefs or Eagles fans, I, I personally kind of um, appreciated. And, and no offense to all of my good friends in the state of Pennsylvania, <laughs> including my next guest, but I was kind of happy that Joe Biden's team lost. Um, that that was just me, but you know, I, I was happy for that. But uh, but you start with a brilliant rendition of the national anthem that literally brought a head coach to tears. It was one of the um, the seminal moments coming out of the game. And then fast forward to uh, the halftime show where you have uh, Rihanna, who is yet again oddly in um, in this this red uh, kind of weird costume. And, you know, that's been sort of a prolific theme from the Hollywood industry lately. And there's some interesting uh, commentary there. But that kind of uh, juxtaposition, because the people who commented, including uh, Will Kane from Fox News, uh, was tweeting about how uh, simply just said that um, that the, the country singer uh, was was better with the national anthem, Chris Stapleton uh, versus Rihanna. And just in his opinion. And, and of course the commentary on that was, oh, well, it's just because of course you're choosing the white guy over the black woman, you know, and and just race has to be injected into every aspect of our culture. So of course it has to be injected into sports. And it was injected by the left. um, First of all, anyway, before we, you know, talk about some of that other stuff, um, it was highlighted by my friend Chris uh, Tremogli, who is a commentary writer for the Washington Examiner. And his headline was Christianity, not race, is the impetus for success for the Super Bowl QBs. And Starts off with Democrats, liberals, and the rest. Uh, the rest of the race obsessed went apoplectic as soon as it became official that the Super Bowl would feature two Black American quarterbacks for the very first time. It was a repeated talking point, uh, but then the only ones who cared about that, of course, were the race obsessed left. And then as soon as these two quarterbacks actually highlighted their faith. Well, that, of course, isn't talked about. Nobody cares about that. They only care about the fact that somehow, you know, rather than these are two great teams, uh, these are two wonderful sports uh, players, it always has to be about their race. So uh, so Chris uh, Tremogli joins me now. And Chris, this is a really fascinating um, article, and I think you do so well on cultural commentary and and I think just punching back really hard against the left for all of their leftism and all of their uh, progressive headlines but but this one I think was really important so um, so you highlight Christianity and not race um, how did you view how the overall commentary from not just the left but the sports world treated this well, I think uh, thank you for having me on, uh, Jenna, as well. Um, I, I think that it had you pretty much said it in your uh, monologue there that it was pretty much being focused on. I mean, even when the Super Bowl um, played last night, and you said you didn't watch it, and I did, and that was a painful, painful loss as an Eagles fan. Um, but I'm sorry, but with... you and Joe Biden, but you know, sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. That's, that's what we have so much in common. That's your end. Um, but. <laughs> No, um, going back to all seriousness, 
they they started the show talking about you know the first two African American quarterbacks to start a football game, and you know that's all well and good and. You know, there was some things that were wrong throughout the NFL's history, allegedly, when they said, you know, um, African-American couldn't handle the quarterback position. That was wrong. And I even have no problem with them promoting that if they want to be celebratory. But what they omitted was their Christianity. And throughout the season, throughout their time in the NFL, both Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes have repeatedly emphasized the importance of God, Christianity, and religion in their work, in their success, as part of their journey, as part of overcoming adversity. Um, uh, Jalen Hurts, I don't know if you know, and I had like, uh, they talked about this yesterday as well, had quite the journey coming from um, when he was in uh, college at Alabama. He got benched at a halftime show. It was, you know, probably not the most reassuring and damaging and, and did damage his confidence, obviously. Um, but he, he 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 played it off and said it was all part of his journey. God put him through. God made him want to understand. Um, God did that for a reason. And through all the mainstream media's coverage for everything they talked about, the, it's the, the, the Christianity aspect was just a minute. It was never brought up. It wasn't celebrated as much as the their skin color, and I felt that was particularly wrong. Like I said, if you want to do the skin color aspect and celebrating African-American quarterbacks as a progress, great, go for it. But there's no reason you can't do both, and there's no reason you can't all you know make Christianity um, more than the skin color because all of them last week in the course that they were talking about their success, uh, it all kind of stemmed from their belief in God and God giving them the talent to do what they did do on the football field, and that was my issue with the whole thing: is why aren't we talking about this as much as we're talking about the their skin color? Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm talking with uh, Chris Tremogli, who uh, wrote a great piece in the Washington Examiner, and uh, you should follow his work because he writes a lot of great pieces in Washington Examiner. Um, but but you're right, Chris, because what's so fascinating to me from a wider perspective, um, not just the left's myopic focus and obsession on race, is that they want these inherent characteristics, uh, whether it is um, race, it is uh, it's gender, it's it's sexual orientation, um, these kind of characteristics uh, that, that don't make up a whole person, uh, to be more emphasized and say that that matters, that is your identity, that is what distinguishes individuals in society and our success and failure is based off of skin color or based on some other immutable characteristic instead of the one thing that we actually should be identifying as, which is our identity in Christ. That's the one thing that they will not talk about. And in fact, that's the one aspect of all humanity that God tells us to identify is is that uh, that difference. And there are the only the most important distinction because um, human life in reality, as, as my friend James Lindsay says, is a matter of uh, calling out reality and and real distinctions. And the biggest distinction is not between black or white or male or female. I mean, and those are those are distinctions. And male and female is an important one. But God and humans, God and not God. And that's the one thing that the left does not want to point out. And in fact, that is the one thing that the Bible requires that we do distinguish and that uh, and and understand that that characteristic of finding our identity in Christ is ultimately what matters to the human condition. And so to me, this is a, a commentary and an emphasis on 
you know, race and gender and, and, and other things that are not only trying to excise God from society, but also trying to wrap up our human existence into one identifying characteristic. And so, so I'll give you this example because um, yesterday I was, I was with a friend, um, you know, we were out kind of, you know, just taking a, a Sunday afternoon and, and, uh, and we saw a, a woman out in, out in public who was a black woman, um, you know, just based on her visual appearance. And she was carrying a tote bag that was emblazoned with all black all the time. And, and my friend and I just looked at that and we said, you know, could you imagine if I'm carrying a tote bag saying all white all the time? How, how, first of all, how offensive the everyone would think that was right like I would not be allowed to do that nor would I want to but the emphasis of of her race being the only thing that she wants to project about herself in that moment that that phrasing on that tote bag was saying everything that matters is the distinction between my race and your race and you need to recognize my race rather than recognize me for any other reason and nothing else matters. And and so to me, this isn't just about, you know, celebrating that there are two really good quarterbacks, regardless of skin color. It's about intentionally focusing on the distinctions between skin color that really don't matter versus distinguishing who we are in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, that's because it doesn't, adhere to any of the you know contemporary left-wing political cultural talking points it doesn't adhere to that whole diversity equity and inclusion um moniker that they're basically trying to put into society as the new god so to speak it's like a, some weird left-wing radical form of idolatry in which they're replacing god but they're making this which everyone should bow down to and you know genuflect and, and show deference to and you brought up the, the tote bag that you saw there. And I, I would even venture to say, like, there'd be a similar reaction, not only if you had a all, whatever said, all white or all white, or whatever the thing was, but if you were substituted black with the word Christian, you'd probably get just as many dirty looks and people would think, you know, negatively of you as well for, for holding that. So there, there's definitely this um, cultural shift that's been going on for, you know, I would I would argue decades at this point in which they're, they're, they're emphasizing on removing God from society. And it has like its traditional left-wing Marxist communist orthodox in the political movement to remove God from society. Um, if you look out through history, anytime there's been like a left-wing communist Marxist totalitarian um, regime or, or government put in, put in or, or, or coming into uh, prominence in, in a country or a civilization, one of the first things, if not the first thing they do, is they try to remove God from society, and they try to remove, especially Christianity from society. Um, and a lot of times, uh, this is done specifically because, you know, there it has to do with a uh, more morality issue foundation, uh, among other things. Um, and then you were talking about the whole the racism and the different races, and that I mean, you know, I think is specifically put into fact to create all this division in this country and have people um, be the aggrieved and the oppressed versus you know who the left deem as privileged, and that creates like uh, confrontation and angst and um, resentment between classes, and then you have that between 
you know, the races, um, then you have that between people who are now like religion and, and non-religious and, you know, Christianities and, and non-Christians. And, you know, you could just, anyone could just go on Twitter and read some of the comments people say about Christianity. And obviously, you know, Twitter is like a cesspool of, you know, and so social <laughs> media is all in that. But you could just see like a lot of the, the climate for what people think about religion. Like they'll say, oh, it's a... Uh, mythology or someone's be believing like the make-believe person in the sky and there's all these attacks that if you go back i would say maybe to uh, 50s 60s someone could even argue maybe 70s and 80s that whole temperament was not then that it is now and we treat religion sort of like you know a lot of people treat greek mythology in this country um that it's just like this bogus thing and, and that's not true and it goes runs counter to what our country's founding judeo uh, judeo-christian principles and uh, you know worked towards uh, forming this country for um at its inception so i personally when going back to the whole tying this all into the super bowl in um jalen hurts and patrick mahomes my thing was why i wrote what i did was just that this is something that's worthy of being celebrated too and as you were mentioning as well um, it's something that, you know, we should put more emphasis on, um, you know, for whether it's biblical or, or just social um, and cultural issues. There's nothing wrong with being Christian. There's nothing wrong with people celebrating their religion, you know, their Christianity, celebrating God, celebrating Jesus. There's nothing wrong with, you know, having these great basis of moral foundations to kind of help people through society. And the left kind of know this. They want to change all this. They're working diligently to change all this, and that's why they kind of try to hide this fact, um, or, or maybe not even hide the right word, but just basically omit it from the narrative that they were trying to do um, to make it uh, about Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. And instead they focus on race, which you know they always do. Of course they do, and, and you're absolutely right, uh, Chris Tremogli from uh, Washington Examiner, that Everything is allowed. We can celebrate anything in this country anymore, according to the left, except Christianity and except truth, because Christianity is an exclusive religion. It is an exclusive point of view. If you hold up Christianity as truth and recognize the truth of God, then there is that other distinction. And and again, you know, life is <laughs> reality is distinctions and drawing distinctions correctly and truth then makes non-truth false, wrong, evil, not permissible in society, um, ultimately illegal in a society that is functioning in a moral and upright manner. And so the left wants you to be able to, to sin and uh, be able to promote literally anything except the truth. And so they're drawing a distinction as well. They're just drawing it in the improper place and saying literally anything goes except for the truth of the word of God and we cannot have God in society. So we're going to be right back with more with uh, my good friend Chris Tremogli um, to talk about the Super Bowl, the cultural implications, and of course the halftime show. We'll be right back with more on Jenna Ellis in the morning.
Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. This week on Truth For Life, we're looking at circumstances through the lens of God's sovereignty, His sovereign plan and purpose. Find out how this perspective can radically change your views on life and love. And then we'll see providence at work in Esther's story. Study with Alistair Big on Truth For Life. Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. At 4.11 p.m., February 5th, prior to its live airing of the 65th Grammy Awards, CBS tweeted, we are ready to worship. This was in response to a tweet from self-described non-binary singer Sam Smith, who later rendered a perverted performance of a song titled Unholy, in which he depicted himself as the devil, literally. No one should be surprised that CBS and the Grammys celebrate perversion and Satan worship. The scriptures told us this was coming. It should spur Christ's followers to again recognize the Bible is true and that the harvest is plentiful. Let's work. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family. And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back and good morning if you are just joining on this beautiful Monday. And, you know, the skies are still blue. God is still on his throne. But the U.S. military has downed four unknown objects in eight days, unprecedented in peacetime. And the Pentagon is saying that this is in response to a quote-unquote heightened alert following the downing of the Chinese surveillance balloon. And uh, you know, this, this to me is just ridiculous on a number of levels that uh, that the Pentagon is now saying they're not even ruling out UFOs. Um, so is this an alien invasion? Well, apparently the Pentagon doesn't even know, but they are shooting things out of the sky, but they are allowing everything uh, apparently that is built by China 
to go ahead and traverse the continental United States. So we'll keep following this story and, and questioning the Biden administration and the Pentagon. Um, I, I think that this raises a lot of concerns about what uh, they do know how they are responding, and what they're also telling the American people. I think it's high time that uh, Joe Biden has a press conference or someone who actually knows where he is and what he's doing in the administration to let the American people know exactly uh, what's going on, especially uh, following the uh, lack of transparency surrounding the Chinese surveillance balloon. Um, But they're in a different story, there appeared uh, to be aliens that showed up at the halftime show. If you uh, watched this or saw, like I did, uh, the doom scrolling on on Twitter and, and social media um, contemporaneously and after the fact that uh, there were these kind of weird saucer looking things that uh, Rihanna and her cohort of backup dancers uh, were were on during a. Uh, during the halftime show and this kind of um, myopic focus from the left on red as as a color um, which you know of course there's nothing inherently wrong about the color red Um, it's created by God it's it's on the spectrum of colors it's beautiful it's totally fine Uh, but the way that they wanted to project and the way that the uh, Hollywood left and the music industry left has wanted to project uh, their full adherence and outward open dedication to Satanism, to secular humanism, to uh, ignoring and disavowing God and society has, has been not only perverse, but open and notorious and apparent. And, and this is not a reason for us to uh, kind of panic around this or to uh, to overreact and um, because we shouldn't be surprised about this and we shouldn't be surprised that of course uh, people who do not claim God are of course going to go against God in any way that they can and certainly as society continues to allow more and more open uh, disrespect and disavowal of God and that God exists, then they'll just take this to new uh, extremes. And so I think that the response to this is not to uh, overreact and seem like we're somehow surprised, but rather to bring this back to what is good, what is right, what is holy, and to bring this back to our founding principles and to show how extreme and how perverse the left really is and how their worldview isn't just about, you know, getting up and uh, and pledging their fealty, whether it's in the middle of the Grammys or it's in the middle of the Super Bowl or on any other platform uh, to to Satan or to themselves and their truth, uh, but rather, uh, you know, showing that our fealty and loyalty is to Christ and how their worldview is all about Uh, then the outflow of non-truth goes into their advocacy for things like uh, transhumanism, uh, transgender, quote-unquote, rights, um, and and this whole gender mutilation of children, um, and and all of this that is ugly, it's damaging, and it's it's absolutely wrong in culture. Um, So I'm talking with my friend, uh, Chris Tremogli, and he joins me again for um, this last uh, segment here. And and the the hour just always goes by so fast because there's so much to talk about. But um, but Chris, so you you did watch the show, um, the Super Bowl, and you know I know you're from Pennsylvania, and so um, but but are you actually an Eagles fan or are you a Steelers fan? 
I need to get that straight because you're from Philadelphia, right? Is Chris there still? I don't know. Chris Chris might have decided that uh, – yeah. Okay. We must have lost Chris. So that's okay. So, uh, so I, so I think that he's, uh, oh, okay. Yes. Chris, are you there? Um, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can indeed. All right. Um, so I was just asking though, you know, for, for the record, are you, are you Eagles versus Steelers fan? Definitely Eagles fan. Eagles all okay. the way. So. Okay. So this wasn't just uh all right, this is, you know, close enough to, you know, my home city or whatever, like, you know, we'll be fine. And you just picked them as, as the best out of the two. You're actually the Eagles fan. So you did actually watch uh, the the Super Bowl yesterday. But um, what did you make of the halftime show if you watched that portion? And, you know, this kind of emphasis from Rihanna, who who is a great a singer, by the way, she has talent. Um, you know, she's she's obviously uh, done very well for uh, for herself in the music industry, um, but kind of the you know, but this this focus and emphasis on uh, red um, and and obviously that visual presentation, but then also the contrast between the national anthem singer and the focus even on Rihanna as a black woman, which to me it's like okay, if you're a good singer, who cares? Who cares that you're a woman? Who cares that you're black? I mean, th- this this just goes back into this insane focus by the left to always call out race. Yeah, and um, I, as an Eagles fan, I was emotionally invested yesterday, so I did watch the entire uh, Super Bowl, including the halftime show. Um, the interesting thing, you were bringing up her, her performance, and you mentioned the whole Chinese spy balloon and uh, shooting down objects. I'm really surprised you didn't pick up the whole, like, it looked like she was dancing around a whole bunch of spy balloons. It's like everyone in the, their white dancers would look like um, it was just one of those balloons that were uh, being flying over the country. Um, so there was that part, That's but odd. as far from a, yeah, it was, as I, I, I was just kind of surprised that's not being made more of, but, uh, no, seriously. Yeah, there was, uh, she, 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 she performed, performed her songs. I did notice the whole red latexy thing that seemed somewhat very similar to Sam Smith's performance, which I did not watch. I just saw the clips on line. Um, I don't know if that was, you know, some kind of under, like had some like significant meaning or was just kind of like something that she wore because she is pregnant and was was hiding. They're trying, you know, trying not to hide it, but like, you know, kind of aware of something that would fit to her. I, I don't know. Um, I know that if you're comparing the uh, performance uh, the artist, Chris Stapleton versus Rounder, it's like it's night and day on, on the spectrum. Like they're two different styles, two different um emotions two different like genres two different uh, just basically feelings one we get from each performance and rihanna who has some great songs you know performed well is a great performer a great voice like you said um her songs basically tend to dive into the contemporary pop culture of like the hedonistic pursuits that's kind of plaguing our country overall and i guess that's kind of fair of the majority of songs i mean let's be honest if you could go back to songs in the 90s and 80s and 70s in which they're, they're kind of like had that you know pursuit of hedonism so that's nothing new or groundbreaking um i guess just in like today's world especially after with uh, the grammys performance being in mind um and being so recent making that parallel kind of does make sense it just kind of goes to I guess a, a shift of what you could see in which that's been occurring for a while and, and kind of goes along lines with like the left wing 
dominance in our culture in which they kind of just focusing on these things that run counter to biblical values and run counter to God, and it's just kind of more of the same that goes on and on um, throughout the country and throughout our society. So um, overall, it, it was Rihanna's performance was, I guess, this might be like boring, but sad to say, it's kind of like what I expected it to be. Uh, mm-hmm. given her songs and, you know, where we are of the nature. The big thing, though, that she might, that no one really pointed out or might have not been pointed out that much is as recently as just only a few years ago, I think 2019, I want to believe she said this, she made the comment that she would never perform for the NFL because of, like, social justice activism stuff when the whole kneeling was in. And yet mm-hmm. here we, at, she would never, she made the statement she would never perform at the Super Bowl. And yet just a few years later, here we are her with her performing. So that, I think, is uh, kind of also indicative of a lot of the stuff which you could talk about, like these left-wing cultural political rot that's in our country. Um, and, and that would be um, what I would think about that her performance regarding that. Yeah, that that is actually really interesting. I didn't know that about uh, Rihanna, that she had said that uh, openly, that she wouldn't perform for uh, the NFL, which, you know, is so interesting how um, that – aspect of um, so-called social justice, but um, the whole controversy around athletes being able to uh, kneel or or required to stand or uh, just you know, the controversy as a whole around um, the playing of the national anthem that in that on both sides you have uh, conservatives who are saying we're not going to watch this if players kneel and disrespect the flag and and have this focus on so-called social justice and you know kind of the Colin Kaepernick effect. But then you also have um, people on the left who, uh, because they they then they view the national anthem as you know somehow going against social justice, they're boycotting on. Um, on for for other reasons on their end, and so um, you know who is the NFL left with? Well, you know, I mean, not not as clearly not as many people um, as before. Um, but that does that also potentially um, play into why the NFL decided to also have the uh, national uh, the black anthem? I guess there's a there's a black national anthem oh, right. yeah. black that yeah. that was oh, that- played. Yeah, that that just doesn't sit well with me because that just promotes division. I mean, the, what is there? Uh, this came out. This was a result of the NFL's social justice policy um, revision that happened after the George Floyd um, protest and everything. And this was something that that I think's been going. This was the second year they were supposed to be doing it. Um, Which I just find stupid, so, by the way, because like, are we going to then have? everybody's anthem like we then have to have yeah well clearly you know the the actual national anthem is the anthem of white supremacy so we're covered right you know everybody who they claim that just because we're we're christians and you know that's our skin color and i mean it's ridiculous um because obviously that's stupid uh but but then you have you know the the black anthem and then do we have to have you know all kinds of other anthems for everybody else um who who isn't either Black or white? I mean, I mean, where does this end? Yeah, well, where was the Latino national anthem, the Asian national anthem? I mean, where does it where <laughs> does it end? It's just kind of like genuflecting to this whole just say this 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 stupid social justice stuff in which it's just promoted and the NFL just cowered to it under Roger Goodell's leadership. It was just it's just asinine. Like they really this is something that I think that 
hopefully will be short-lived and people should, you know, uh, uh, challenge it because of its stupidity. Like, I never, up until when I heard this was, I heard of the song, it's Lift Every Voice and Sing, and I'm familiar with that song, and I, I've, I had no idea it was called the Black National Anthem. Um, so the NFL said they were going to start doing that, but um, the song I'm familiar with, but it, it just goes to show the, you know, we moved, they, it's this left-wing narrative is like you want race to not matter, but yet to the left, that's pretty much all that matters. And they want right. equality, but yet they don't want equality. They want like, you know, separation, segregation. And by doing things like this, you're not promoting equality. You're just creating tension and segregation. Like there's one national anthem. It's a Star Spangled Banner. Um, that's it. You know, this whole black national thing, it's, it has nothing to do with, you know, um, you know, being anti-black or racism. It's just basically saying like, no, like this is, we're not unified as a country. No one who believes in once, once racial harmony and unity, um, should be behind this. Um, and, and it's just like the fact that they, this is a part of the protocol that goes on with the NFL is just kind of a, a sad reflection of our society nowadays. And hopefully, There'll be pushback against it um, right. to get that removed to come back to like you know well, some normalcy. Yeah, and and you're totally right, um, Chris Tremogli from a Washington Examiner, that you know this is divisive because there is one national anthem, not because you know it 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 is born out of white supremacy or you know, racial tension and all this other stuff, but because literally what bonds us all in this country is the fact that we are all Americans and it does not matter the color of our skin. But what the left would like is to say that, no, that doesn't cover the black experience. And so therefore we have to have an anthem that on purpose excludes everyone else and they are trying again to create that divide and that contrast. And and so, um, but one other comment in just in just the last couple of minutes that we have here um, is not only you know is that ridiculous, and we do have just one national anthem. But there was uh, some commentary about uh, Rihanna and the fact that she kept all of her clothes on, which um, in in the 21st century for the NFL is surprising. Um, Candace Owens tweeted to, to that effect um, that she was actually shocked about that. Um, but that still didn't stop the kind of um, overtly uh, sexualized displays uh, from Rihanna, which I thought were a little disturbing. I actually thought her costume, not necessarily um, to cover up w- whether or not she was pregnant, but it almost looked a little bit like female genitalia. I mean, it just it it, and I don't know if they were going for that, but that was kind of what she oh. what she projected, um, and that was something you know. And, and we're out of time here, but you know, I just think that the the whole thing overall was way too overtly sexual. But um, but Chris Tremogli with a great piece, uh, Christianity, not race, was the impetus for success for the Super Bowl. Uh, definitely go read this piece. Follow him at Washington Examiner. We are out of time, but we are going to welcome a very, very special guest tomorrow. And I'm not going to give you any hints, just tell you that he's one of my favorite people. And you better tune in tomorrow right here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.